Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Uh, as you know, we are, uh, we're, we've been doing this show since about 2010 now. And uh, we just love your love and support. You know, we love your love and support. That's about it. That's all I can say. We're so uh, happy that you're with us. We have uh, Congressman Adam Smith back with us again for day two. Adam, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Fine, thank you. Um, we're we're just going to kind of continue on our conversation. We had a little bit of technical difficulty yesterday, so I, I kind of closed the show re- reading your bio and reading about your book and just was like, eh, I don't think you're able to call back in. But that was cool because our phone lines were jammed. So we were pretty happy with that, but not so happy that we couldn't get you back on the phone. So sorry for the trouble there. And um, I thought we'd just kind of keep going and um, sure. talk more about your book. And and it's uh, everybody listening new today. We have Congressman Adam Smith. He's the author of Lost and Broken, My Journey Back from Chronic Pain and Crippling Anxiety. It's an HCI release. It's distributed by Simon & Schuster. And uh, it's available wherever books are sold. It uh, it just came out, right, Adam? It, it's, well, it's a new release? It's May, been, been a oh, it did. Now, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's still a new release. That, that qualifies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's doing well. I was on Amazon yesterday looking it up, and it's it's climbing the charts there. So all you guys out there, head on over to Amazon. You know, as authors, we live and thrive on Amazon. I think uh, like 90-some percent of the books that are sold now are sold through Amazon. So it's really helpful to us as authors if you leave reviews, if you buy the book from Amazon. And uh, the reviews are even uh, more helpful if you take a picture of the book or you with the book. That's really cool too. So um, anyway, we were on a topic of, um, do you mind just kind of summarizing your story again for any new listeners? Okay. All right. Yeah, no, I I went through an extensive battle with anxiety and chronic pain, uh, which has a long history, uh, but it really became debilitating for me in 2013 when I was serving in Congress. I'd been in Congress for, gosh, um, 16, 17 years at that point, but then the the anxiety just hit me suddenly and overwhelmed me. At the same time, I was going through chronic pain, and my book sort of chronicles how I got to that point, what happened in my life that led to the, the physical and mental pain, and then my effort to try and find help. And that's really the main focus because when it first hit, I had no idea why I had the anxiety I had. Certainly there were things in my life that were stressful or you know problems I had had from childhood forward, but nothing that I ever thought of as being to that level of a problem until it was. Same with my, yeah. my physical pain. Um, it was really just a journey through the health, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists on the mental side and then physical therapists and various doctors on the physical side to get the right diagnosis and then the right treatment um, to get me better, which did eventually happen. And I always say that's the big message in my book is, is help exists. And I know there are, gosh, millions of people in our country who are suffering from some combination of anxiety, depression, and chronic pain. And it can be a lonely and frustrating place to be trying to figure out what do I do 
Um, and I know in my process, there were many times when I was when I thought there's just there's nothing I can do. Uh, I'm not going to get better. This is pointless. Uh, fortunately, I pushed forward and I did find help. Um, and that's I want to talk about it publicly because I think it will help the broader conversation, particularly about mental illness. Um, but then also to offer some guideposts for people who are who are going down similar paths. Yeah, I'm so happy that you did this because this is such a a funky topic. It's a topic where people are like, I better not tell anybody this is going on. They hide. They go to work and and act like nothing's wrong. They don't want to feel shame, stigma, all of it. Um, it's just a funky, funky topic. And what I'm, are you seeing around the world, the country, whatever your perspective is, um, a more openness to this topic? It seems like this younger generation is really uh, open. I, I'm, I'm in my mid-50s, and it was like, don't let anybody know anything's wrong kind of thing. And this generation yeah, no, I'm, is like I'm, I'm talking. 50, I'm 58, so I'm right there with you. So Yeah. Um, yeah, no, look, there's good news, bad news uh, on that. I think people are being a lot more open about it. I mean, there's still a stigma. Um, it, it's sure. still, you know, if you have mental health issues – I think there will be at least, there will be many people who will still have an instinct that you know we should try you know don't tell anyone. But it's getting better. There are more people speaking openly and publicly about their mental health challenges, and that's helpful because you know one of the keys to good mental health is being honest about yourself. You know you know being honest mm-hmm. about what's going on in your life, how you truly feel about it. You know a lot of mental health problems come from us you know, lying to ourselves and not being honest about how we feel about things. We bury and suppress them in other ways. So that's a positive. The thing that I'm, you know, want to push is you don't just talk about mental illness for the sake of talking about it. You talk about it so that you can get better. And and I I worry that some of the coverage of mental illness and public discussions about it take on sort of a voyeuristic aspect, like, oh, my gosh, look at how messed up that person is. Um, and there's not enough about how do we build resilience? How do we, how do we help people get better? Because you can get better. You know, depression, anxiety, there are very specific treatments to help you figure out how to manage that better. Um, it's not just something to talk about sort of like, you know, as I said, just to sort of look at how big a problem somebody has but to really talk about what are the treatments that help you get better. Um, And, you know, if I may, it's going to take me a minute here, but here's the basics of what I learned. One of the big problems going into mental health in America is they always want to start with cognitive behavioral therapy, which is fine. I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy basically is, all right, you're feeling anxious, you're depressed. Let's talk about it. Why are you depressed? Why are you anxious? And it does help because a lot of times you get moving fast, things happen, you feel bad, you think it's because of this. But to sit out and really go through it and, and to, as the cliche would go, to name it, this is what I'm anxious about, that's helpful. And then the second step in cognitive behavioral therapy is, you know, what, what can you do about it? One is to try to minimize what they call catastrophizing, which is, you know, okay, okay, you're worried about this. But should you really be this worried about it? Let's talk through it. What, what's really concerning you? Um, is it something that you're blowing out of proportion? And then second, if there is something that you're anxious about, what steps can we take to reduce your anxiety? Let's say that you're really stressed out at work. Okay, well, why? 
Well, maybe could you talk to your boss about it? Is there a coworker? Um, maybe there's a different, you know, career path that you wanted to do. All of that is really helpful. But before you get to cognitive and behavioral therapy, there are two baselines of mental health that need to be established that, that frankly, I struggled with. You know, number one is you have to have a sense of your own self-worth, which a lot of people mm-hmm. don't. I thought that self-worth was kind of like an evaluation, right? How good a person am I? You know, am I a good husband? Am I a good father? Am I a good friend? You know, um, am I good at my job? You know, whatever it is I'm doing, am I good or bad at it? That's not self-worth, okay? Self-worth is no matter, no matter how good you are at anything, as a human being, you are worthy of love. You are worthy as a human being. And if you don't believe that, you're in trouble. And I didn't believe that. And my therapist went through three and a half years worth of psychotherapy to convince me of it. So you have to have that baseline. And then the second is what we refer to as trauma. And this is where a lot of anxiety and depression comes from. Things that have happened in your life that you have buried and not properly processed. So if you don't have a sense of self-worth and if you have unresolved trauma, as I like to say, cognitive behavioral therapy is just going to irritate you. Because you're talking about, okay, well, what are you anxious about? Honestly, you don't really know at first glance. Yeah. It's something that you haven't properly dealt with. So you got to get to those baselines. So I want to see more of that type of conversation. Okay, you have anxiety. You have depression. Here are some steps. Here are some things you can do to get better, not just let's just talk about it. Talking about it, step one. Step two is you got to dive in and say, how can we, how can we help fix the problem and build resiliency? Yeah, I think that's really, really helpful because I was, um, I was, you know, we have a lot of people that come our way on Best Ever You, and it seems lately in my crowd anyway, there are, and I don't know if this relates to you necessarily or not, but we have a lot of people losing parents. And yeah. it is a recipe for grief, anxiety, depression, loneliness, um, so many things go with that. Um do you want to, can you talk about that at all? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my situation is is different in that yep. you know I I was adopted. My my adoptive parents. My father died when I was nineteen. My mother died when I was twenty five. So I didn't. My biological mother, believe it or not, still alive. Um, the, basically, the woman I grew up thinking was my aunt was my biological mother. Not an uncommon thing. Um, so so I still talk with her but my my wife has she's the oldest of five children has a very close family and her father died gosh almost two years ago now um and you know it it is really really difficult for a whole series you know of reasons and you have to be able to talk through it and look you know one of the big things in all of this in, in basic mental health is well to be blunt about it the inevitability of death which i talk about quite a bit in my book that certainly was something that was triggered in my anxiety that would hit me. Now there were other issues that were, were leading to that. But in America, we don't, we don't like to talk about the inevitability of death. Our plan right. is to bury it. Or as actually, I remember Andy Rooney, uh, the Jericho yep. uh, 60, uh, yeah. 60 Minutes guy, had a book, and I, I read this way back 
when I was younger, and he said, you know, he said, here are a hundred things that I just believe at the start of the book, and one of them was, I do not, I do not accept the inevitability of my own death. I am convinced <laughs> that I will find a way out. Okay, yeah. which is funny, um, and humor is part of how you have to deal with the challenges of life, but it also sort of leaves you vulnerable when you are confronted with it, and we all will be confronted with it, and frankly, the number one biggest way that you're confronted with it is when one of your parents dies, you know, yep. because I think we all mentally think of, you know, well, I'm fine, my parents are still alive, you know. And there are, there are a whole lot of other emotions that go into losing a parent, but it is yeah. kind of personal. It is kind of like, you know, I've, I've, I've lost my buffer, okay, you know, yeah. and I think it really does, you know, have an impact on people, and, and therapy can, can be helpful with dealing with that. Yeah, my, my mom and I say, we lost our best complimenter. Ugh. But my yeah. first two books are, are largely about my dad being – um, sick. He was a stroke survivor from 2004 to 2018, and then in the Change Guidebook, I kind of segue into some uh, into. I would tell you to keeping my mom alive, really, because uh, they'd been married 45 years, and and it was yeah. like she just sort of wanted to die with him for a period of time, and I'm like, oh no, 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 you know. And there's a bunch of us kids. We have a huge family, 11 of us kids, and um, tons of grandkids. You know, I don't even. I lost count on the grandkids. Um, and so it's, it, but it, it, it brews back up. And I know for like two, I'm going to just, and everybody kind of knows this. I talk about this pretty a lot and in my books and stuff, but for two solid years, I was, I almost quit best ever you. And I didn't know if I was going to write another book. I was lost when my dad died. It sucked. Um, and so I, I get it completely. And, um, I just, I, I love your book and I'm, I'm so, um, proud of you for like, being so vulnerable and being so grateful for your life at the same time, it shows. There's like yeah. vulnerability and gratitude in this book. Yeah, and that's I think that's a key part of it. And and I like what you said there about, you know, when you lost your father, you're like, okay. And part of it is you go, okay, so what's the point of what I'm doing? I don't, I don't have the <laughs> oh. energy, you know, to go oh, on. Oh, hang, so I think oh, – hang, hang on one second right there. I just want to – you know what? I, it was so bad I was like – because I, I saw him take his last breath, and I'm like, all this material stuff doesn't matter. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it sent shockwaves through my system. I'm not kidding. I did not know what the point was for a while. Like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, and that's another big piece of this, and I've developed my own personal outlook on life. Yeah. But, but you, you, you do have to, you know, feel like there there is a purpose to this existence. Okay. And, you know, I mean, and there's a whole bunch of different ways to do that. Personally, I believe that there is a purpose to the universe, that we are down here uh, for a reason. And that, you know, and basically what I'm trying to do, and this bleeds over into my public policy, is I believe in what the, the Gates Foundation says about their mission, which is the idea that everybody should lead a healthy and productive life. And if you can work to help people lead as healthy and as productive life as possible, that is what makes us fundamentally human. And the joy that you feel, whether in your case, you, you do your, your podcast, you write your books, you, you talk about this, you really feel like you are doing something positive, doing it well, and making a difference. That matters, okay? It, it matters to you. It matters to the people around you. Uh, it matters to all of human existence, but you have to have that that sense of purpose, 
Um, you know, why why are you doing what you're doing? Um, I think it does matter, but it can be taken away from you very, very quickly, and it's something that you need to think mm. about uh, to make sure that you can continue to be productive in, in life because that's that's really what I think ma- makes us human um, and makes it, it meaningful and purposeful uh, our lives. Yeah, well well said. Um, okay, so I have you can pass on this. This is a, a hard pass if you need to, but I got off the phone with you yesterday, and one of my sons said, oh, my God. That's Congressman Adam Smith. That's so cool, Mom. Do you know that he is? Do, 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 do. Can you? Are you allowed to talk just a little bit about what you do for our country? Yeah. Or is that, a, does that have to be a separate show where I have to be like Congressman? Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's <laughs> okay. Perfectly fine. I, right. While I'm promoting my book, I can talk about my job. While I'm doing my job, I can't promote okay. my book. So that, that's the way it goes. No, I'm so I've. And I've been involved in politics at a very young age. That's part of it. I was a very sort of purpose-driven person. In, in large part, you know, my, my father um, wanted me to get involved in politics and so started dragging me to, you know, Democratic Party meetings back when I was probably 13, 14 years old oh, cool. uh, growing up in the, the SeaTac area south, south of Seattle. And I, you know, I got elected to the state Senate when I was 25. It was a much longer version of that story. Um, but so I dove right into politics um, at that age and really enjoyed it. And what I really enjoyed about it, frankly, was the problem-solving aspect of it. I love solving problems. And to me, that's what politics is about. you got a bunch of people trying to accomplish a bunch of things that often conflict. How do you resolve those differences and, and get things done? You know, representing constituents. Um, I got elected to Congress six years after that, so 1996 when I was 31, and I've been really lucky. Um, after, what, 14 years, I was elected by the Democratic Caucus to be the top Democrat on the Armed Services Committee. At the time, we were in the minority, so I was the ranking member, but I became chairman of the committee when Democrats retook the majority in 2018. And so I've been on the Armed Services Committee for 27 years. I was the chair for four, and I'm still the ranking member on that committee. So I do a lot of work on national security policy, um, defense policy, and that sort of thing. Uh, But I love being an elected official, and I I don't limit myself just to national security policy, you know, representing, you know, 750,000 people roughly um, out here in the the Ninth District, the state of Washington. we got a ton of issues we work on. Um, and I love working with those diverse groups of people and trying to figure out, you know, how can we solve problems and find practical solutions to help improve the quality of the lives of the, the people I represent, of the country, and, and for that matter, of the world. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it, it, show, it shows in the tone of your voice, actually, um, how much you love what you do. It's, it's pretty cool. So I'm, I feel very grateful and blessed that we um, have had these two shows with you now. And, um, and I'm so glad you put this book out into the world. And I'm like, oh, I know you have a commitment, um, but please come back. And um, your article, I think, is coming out in, this new, in our newest magazine. So we put out You Magazine, and you have an article, I think, that was either in the last one or in this one. I can't remember. I'll, I'll I'll put that up as a note to the show, but um, you're, you have yeah. an article up on our website too right now on com. So we're really grateful for you and continue to just be, you know, be blessed and have so much success and well-being and wellness and um, lack of anxiety <laughs> and all those things. Um, is there anything that I, I didn't ask you that you want to close on? 
Uh, I think, yeah, I think you covered it really well. You know, I'll just close sort of where I started, and that is with, with sort of the optimism that, uh, you know, problems can be solved. You can get better. Help does exist. Now, I don't want to be Pollyannish about that. And, and I know that, you know, when I was going through what I was going through, I would encounter people like on my, you know, the, the hip surgeries I had. And, oh, I just got a hip replacement and I'm doing great. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm lying here in bed and I can't figure out how to get up. Um, and it, it, it can, so I, I understand that everyone's different and they have different challenges. Uh, I just think no matter what your challenges are, there are ways to make it better. Perfect, probably not. Um, but there is help, you know, certainly on the mental health side, but also on the physical side. And, you know, be persistent. You know, look for that help. You, you can build up resilience and you can find ways to get better in both areas. So, I mean, that's the biggest message that I like, like to deliver. And understanding that the, the journey will, it's highly unlikely the journey will be easy. Um, but there are, there are options out there that I hope people can find and pursue um, so that they can be in, in less pain, both, both physically and mentally. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much for being here with us. And thank you all for listening again. Day two with Congressman Adam Smith. His book is Lost and Broken, My Journey Back from Chronic Pain and Crippling Anxiety. It is available wherever books are sold. So thank you, Congressman Adam Smith, for being with us. It's, it's a joy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. All right. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and supporting our guests. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.